everyone. Here we are back with the Warrior Poet Project podcast. Been a little while. Sorry about that. We'll try to improve. <laughs> but for waiting, we have a very special podcast here all about floating, sensory deprivation. Going to get your questions answered. Going to talk about some weird experiences. Here with the man himself, Kevin Johnson, who is the owner and operator of the Zero Gravity Institute, the best place I've ever been to float. Um, I haven't been that much, but <laughs> but this is immaculate. It's exactly what you would want, and you've done a great job. Thanks. And it makes a lot of sense because you floated how many times now? I think I've got around 360, maybe a little more than that. I kind of lost count along that the way. That is a lot of trips to outer space, sir. That's a lot of trips to outer space. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. So you started right about when this became commercially viable, right? That's, yeah. uh, that's what you were telling me earlier. So tell us a little yeah. bit about that, how the origins of the sensory deprivation tank came about. Well, I first found out about them in the uh, mid-80s, around 1985, but the uh, tank itself was invented in 1954 mm-hmm. by a, a neuropsychologist named John C. Lilly, yep. also a linguist. Uh, um, and he would, in, and Joe tells that story all the time, he would inject ketamine and then go in the tank, right? Yeah, I think that, that was his program. That was kind of later in, in his, uh, later in his life that he started doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, was, he sounded like a very interesting individual. Yeah, I think you know early on he was um, he was uh, working with the National Institute for Mental Health, mm-hmm. and that, that's that's why he developed the tank in the first place. He was very interested to find out what the brain would do if it was deprived of all sensory input. Yeah, they they kind of were under the impression that the brain might just shut down, and uh, they found out it was really kind of just the opposite. It like opened up in a whole new way. Well, perhaps it opens up because some parts shut down. That is exactly that, right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so tell us, uh, for the people who don't know too much about sensory deprivation or floating, tell us basically the principles, the theory, how your tanks are set up, and, uh, and what, what happens when you go in. Sure, so all, all the flotation tanks are kind of you know, set up with using the same principles. So we, um, we're floating in a, in a shallow pool of water. It's about 10 inches deep. Mm-hmm. And, and in that 10 inches of water, we're um, um, dissolving 1,200 pounds of Epsom salt. So this is what prov- provides you with the zero gravity effect. So... Uh, you're going to uh, enter the flotation tank. You're going to lay down on your back. As soon as you lay down, uh, apply some surface area to the water, you're going to float just right on the top, just within the first couple inches of it. That water is heated to 93.5 degrees, which is what we call skin receptor neutral. So uh, once you're floating, there's uh, no difference really between the temperature of the water, your skin temperature, and the air temperature around you. That was one thing that was really crazy for me in this experience. Because I guess the the tank that I went in before wasn't exactly calibrated right. Because in your tank, I was floating there. And I couldn't tell whether the tops of my hands or fingers were yeah. in the water or out of the water. I had no idea at all until I just submerged them and wiggled them around. I was like, okay, right. now there's water. Now I can feel the resistance. Once you get the water moving. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's some external stimulation right. for you. But Right. Yeah, yeah, I, I was really curious. So a lot of people, you know, when they hear about this, they get an immediate fear. So let's talk about some of that fear, Orlando, (laughs) because I get I get a fear response (laughs) from from a lot of people. And I'm sure you do as well. They say it sounds like a coffin. And just on that podcast I did with uh, with Joe Rogan and Stephen Pressfield, he said the same thing. Yeah. You know, like you're 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 going to be Dracula here for for a while and things are going to close in. on You guys were kind of we're kind of teasing Pressfield about that. We're going to lock you in the box. (laughs) Right. Right. So, Orlando, tell us about what what freaks you out about this idea. Talk about your well, fear, man. I mean, like you said, it's like kind of being in a coffin. Like you can't see anything around you because it's dark, right? Yeah, it's completely total, dark. Complete darkness. And then you can't hear silence. anything either. That's already two fears of mine <laughs> <laughs> combined all together. And then I'm in water. Right. You could hear your own screams. <laughs> it sounds to me like just everything wor- the worst possible scenario for me. Just down to your inner, your inner screaming. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean. Apparently it makes everybody relax. So I mean, I guess yeah. there's a, so, must be a turning so point. So that's the so that's there. the fear. Now let me take you through <laughs> the actual experience yeah. of what happens. So you go in, and at least in in the Zero Gravity Institute, um, you know the the tank is you know beautifully illuminated with some nice blue lights. It's soothing, relaxing. The doors open. Some beautiful music playing. Beautiful music playing. It feels like the like a health spa in Elysium or something like that. And, you know, the door the door is there. You can you know where it is. You can kind of get your bearings on that. That is one thing you do want to sort out. Like, 
okay, remember where the so door we is. We don't need <laughs> Remember a where the door is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and then there's, you know, a few things. And, and for you, I think one of the things that made a big difference for me is I had the wax earplugs because mm-hmm. I remember having some water in the ear kind of issues before. Right. And then uh, the neck pillow, mm-hmm. the inflatable neck pillow to keep my neck in a position where it wasn't straining. Yeah. Um, and that made a huge difference. But basically, you, you ease in, and then as you're in there, the lights are still on, and then the lights kind of go out. And, um, you know, generally, for me, in my experience, you know, it takes a little while to get used to it. You know, you start fussing around. And I think I described it in my post as, you know, I have, I call my mind in the diminutive form, which is what it deserves. You know, it's very good at solving puzzles, but it's also very juvenile. It likes, you know, has low attention span and likes to hop around. So that mind boy part of me that, you know, just the very... The very basic part of my mind, not the true, you know, inner part of myself, um, was just fussing around for a little while. But then all of a sudden, I got a little bit sleepy, and then, yeah, I like lit up and felt like I was, you know, really tapped in to my authentic self. And um, from there, it was a really wild experience. I mean, really cool. We we all have a little mind boy in us. (laughs) I think Mm -hmm. everybody goes through that, you know, when you first get in the tank. That that novelty. Of, of, of this new environment that you've encountered. I mean, yeah. it's, it's really, there, there's nothing like it on, on the earth. I mean, there's just, there's, there's nothing that you can really compare it to. You're never without gravity. You're never in total darkness. You're never in total silence. I mean, even when you're at home in, the, in your bed in the most comfortable environment that you have, it's not like this. It, mm-hmm. this. This is a very specialized environment. And and like you say, everything about it's really important. The fact that the temperature's just right, right. the fact that it's totally dark, totally silent. I mean, this this is uh, what causes this, this kind of um, cascading effect that happens to you that we call the parasympathetic response. So uh, the, the, the mechanisms in your brain and your body start to change because mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're taking away a lot of the, the workload from the brain and the central nervous system. Yeah. So, you know, something like 90% of what you normally deal with. So, you know, really the way that I look at it is, you know, I've read a lot of Aldous Huxley and he's mm-hmm. one of my favorite Doors authors. Of yeah, Doors of Perception. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, a good amount of the brain is designed to figure out where your next meal is, Mm -hmm. who you're going to sleep with, and, you know, like who to hump, what to eat, how to drink, how to protect (laughs) yourself from tigers. You know, like that is that is basically what our brain is doing constantly. Eat, sleep, hump, protect from tigers, you know, obviously metaphorically. Right. Um, except for the eat, sleep, hump part. That's not (laughs) metaphorically. That's very literal. Um, But, you know, so so that part of the brain is filters out. And, 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 you know, this is Huxley's theory, of course, but, and it's actually been proven with some psychedelic research too, but um, it filters out all of the other sensory input that, you know, is not necessary for those basic functions. And that's, you know, biologically, evolutionarily, it makes sense, you know, because if you're constantly in this kind of dream state where you're deeply thinking about the nature of God and the universe and your soul's destiny... You know, you're going to get eaten and you're not going to hump. And, you know, all the things that are that are bad for the the organism, the body, you know, you open yourself up to, you know, so the brain kind of filters that out. Um, But in the psychedelic experience, whether it comes from a tank or comes from, you know, medicine, uh, that part of the brain actually starts to shut down and almost like the Venetian blinds of your perception start to open up and you get more input from what it feels like to me your higher self or that source that, you know, connects us all, whatever your belief system will allow, but something greater kind of comes in there. And it seems that with the sensory deprivation tank, that happens because you have no input for that part of the brain to worry about, you know? Yeah. It's just all of everything else shuts down and it's like, well, I'm not, I don't need to eat. I don't need to sleep. I don't need to hump and there's no danger. So I'm just going to check out. And whatever's left is what you get. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're living somewhere in the middle of this larger scale because there's something like, you know, 11 million bits of information uh, handed to the brain every second. I mean, that, that's mind-boggling, mm-hmm. right? Like, where, where would we be if we were on that end of the scale as well? 
you know, you talk about like being off in this dreamland thinking of, you know, nothing but your consciousness and God and spirituality right. and everything. But what, what if you were on the other side of the scale? What if you were consciously aware of 11 billion bits a second sure. entering your brain, you know? so And you couldn't filter all that data out. Yeah, I mean, focus on it. Thank God we have those filters, sure. you because know? we'd, we'd all be running around like mad people. We'd if, be eaten. Yeah. We'd be, <laughs> yeah. We would be slaves to some chimpanzee species right? just so, doing their bidding. So luckily constantly. we're somewhere in the middle of that, right? We've yeah. got these protective buffers on both sides of right. that that are keeping us from being, you know, too, too dreamy or, or too overwhelmed, you know, and mm -hmm. that's, that, that is the part that's helping us survive. But then it's also good to, you know, get out of that middle ground yeah. and towards the, you know, kind of polar yeah. polar extremes and you know with the psilocybin experience they're finding that and i've mentioned this before you know you think of it as adding something to your brain oh you're mm -hmm. adding some compound that's causing you to do this it's not ex not what happening at all right the right. psilocybin is actually restricting a certain blood flow and information to right. the default mode network in your brain which is that part of your brain that is operating like that so that part is getting manually kind of powered down and then the same thing is happening more information is coming through the venetian blinds of perception different kind of information different kind of information used to perceiving yeah 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 and i wonder i wonder a lot when i'm in the flotation tank if that's kind of the same thing that's going on you know there there is that part of you that i mean you find this uh, with with um, a lot of floating or or um, a lot of the psychedelic medicines that that um there, there is kind of this like innate longing for that experience, right? I mean, a lot mm -hmm. of us keep going back over and over and over again to touch that, that part of us that is seemingly hard to get to out in ordinary reality, yep. you know? And it's like, I, I, is it, you know, part of evolution? Like have, have, have we evolved as a species and evolved culturally to where like we're overloaded with, with all this stimulation, you know, that, that's kind of my idea of what's going on in the tank is that we're filtering out the overstimulation part and we're getting sure. back to that truer, higher self that you talked about. Yeah, I mean, look at life. It's all about overstimulation. Yeah. You know, I mean, every, especially in our, you know, in our culture, it was a lot easier, you know, when you're walking on the land, going on long, solitary hunts for a buffalo or whatever it is. Right. And, you know, rising with the sun, sleeping when the sun goes down. I mean, that our lives are not even close to an approximation of that. I mean, most of us are on a computer for 10 hours a day, at least, with the TV going for four of those hours when you get home. Yeah. And it's, you know, or on your phone, and it's then people and the whole system is designed for overstimulation, for sure. Yeah, and so our minds are good at dealing with that and multitasking. That part of our mind is is in high effect, but the other part has to retreat in order for that to kind of take over and and run the ship. It doesn't have to be that way, but it seems to seems to want to push you that way. Yeah, for sure. So the tanks are a great way to kind of reset that. I mean, I I'm. I love technology. Like I love my smartphone. I love my recording studio. Likewise. I love. Yep. I mean, we wouldn't be sitting here if it weren't for the uh, amazing technology that we have. But for millions of years of our evolution, we sat on the edge of a grassland waiting for a meal to walk by. Yeah, plenty of time to contemplate the universe that we lived in, and you know, think about the big questions and, and what, what was going on in our lives. Now, now I kind of wonder. Right. I sure. Mean, there, we, we, we talk about and we feel these kind of um, social and cultural breakdowns that that um, that are, you know, less than attractive to us. And I wonder sometimes if that's part of it, like if if people in general aren't getting enough time in their own head. Sure. You know, away from those filters. So. Well, even back, you know, even back in the days we were waiting on the grassland, there were still people going to caves, yeah. you know, to isolate themselves and get less stimulation then. Right. You know, I mean, they knew then that they had some longing to just go inside. And, you know, almost it almost feels like, you know, to me, like you find your way home at that point. You right. know, find your way to that to that source that, you know, birthed you and will exist, you know, beyond your beyond your death. And the longing to at least know that, you know, is is always there. I think um you know, I was really impressed with this this video that Alan Watts. Well, he didn't put out the video, but he had, he gave a speech, and the premise was, you know, basically, what would you do if you were God? Mm. And um, and the idea That's was that, you know, any perfectly known future becomes a past, 
Yeah. Right. Because it's if it's perfectly known, you already have the recollection, the memory of it. it's it's as if it has already happened. Yeah. You know, so part of the deal was, <clears throat> you know, all of us who are, you know, represent collectively, this is, you know, some of my belief system, all of us who represent collectively that force, that that God force, that divine intelligence, we're all a part of that. And, you know, the only way to make it interesting and to make allow for growth and allow for kind of stimulation of the pond, you know, that, that change, that ripple is to forget, you know, because if we have, and, and just wander off on this path of, you know, we're on an adventure. We don't know all the answers anymore. You know, we've consciously chosen to experience this without that recollection, but some part of us wants to kind of get back, you know, get back under the wing a little bit and, and understand that. And I think that's part of, you know, part of what we're doing here. And it can certainly help you. You know, it's not to say that that's the good part and this life is not the good part. You know, and I think that's where some people go wrong too, you know, where they get really the ascetics who really kind of deny themselves the pleasures of this world. We're here for this world. Yeah. You know, like we got to enjoy everything that's a part of it. You know, that's otherwise what's the, what's the point? Yeah. You know, you can't kind of cheat the system and just try to go straight all the way back. You know, that's not the, that's not the idea. You want to experience everything here and reconnecting with that, that higher part of ourselves can help alleviate a lot of the fears and the anxieties and all the stuff that prevents us from enjoying this awesome playground that we have available to us that all too often creates unnecessary suffering. Yeah. I like your idea of forgetting a little bit, you know, like keeping it random so that it keeps it interesting. Yeah. 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 I like that. You know, he says, you know, how far away can we, can we get, you know, that's the, that's kind of the game, you know, how much can we forget? And, um, and that's what keeps it, you know, exciting, you know, that's, and collectively, you know, I've had a lot of, a lot of thoughts about the collective and, you know, collectively what all of humanity is experiencing and all of life is experiencing is the experience of that, you know, source, you know, it's, it's every little piece is like the mood of God, so to speak, you know, like however we're struggling, happy, but it's all this collective experience that's, you know, combining and, and, uh, creating something. Uh, in, at a large, you know, at a whole. And so you think that's what's going on when, when we uh, go to the flotation tanks or we go to psychedelic medicine, yeah. like we're trying to kind of tap back into that source. I mean, that yeah. sounds a little cliche, but I, I guess it's cliche for a reason. I mean, uh, it's something that humans are drawn to, always have been drawn to. Yeah, I think so. You know, I think ever since every culture has found their, you know, entheogenic medicine, it mm-hmm. seems, and have used that as a special sacrament because... The, the information that you seem to get, you know that it's different than the normal information that your mind just kind of cranks out yeah. with the hand wheel. Right. You know, it feels different. You identify with it. It comes easily and it tells you to do good things. Right. You know, it gives you good advice. Right. You know, it's, it's not, I've never been in one of these deep experiences and been like, Man, that was way off. <laughs> Shouldn't like, have listened the, to that voice. The, yeah, what the <laughs> hell was I thinking then? You know, I mean, that's that's definitely not the kind of information that you get. You get yeah. you get a you tap into something that's a lot smarter than you on a normal day to day basis, and, and that's certainly what happened for me in the tank um, this last time. So you know, first ten minutes fussing around, and then for the next thirty, I was locked in and really able to kind of receive information not only not just receive but you know you have to do a little seeking as well mm-hmm. you know some of these experiences you can really be completely a passenger and just like woo yeah. come come to me but with the tank you got to do a little bit of the work yourself at least for me you know and um but it comes you know what you seek you find yeah you know to a greater degree so that's a, a, a little bit of kind of um, the individual's evolution in, in terms of, of the, the, your floating experience, right? Um, I think you got off to a good start. If it only takes you 10 minutes to settle down in the tank and really mm-hmm. start to um, you know, reach those altered states of consciousness, then you did pretty good. Most people, especially when they um, are new to floating, it may take them 20 or 30 minutes to mm-hmm. sort of get past the, the, the novelty and um, maybe a little bit of fear about, um, you know, what lies ahead, but, uh, obviously you've had some experience and some practice in your life that, that sure. allows you to, um, jump into those states of awareness a little more readily than other people might be able to do it. 
Yeah, I mean, it it, it was. Um, I didn't. You get in there and you're like, oh well, if this is it, you know, for the yeah. first five minutes, you're like, huh, this yeah. is going to be a long time. Can I stay here for an <laughs> hour if it's just this? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then uh, eventually you kind of settle in. And it was interesting. I got sleep. I really felt like I got sleepy first. Mm-hmm. And I was like, am I going to fall asleep? Like, is that what's is that what's going to happen? Nope, that's not what's going to yeah, happen. We just got you in there to take a good nap. Yeah, Please. exactly. <laughs> At, you know, and just. Like right when I thought I was going to reach the peak of sleepiness, all of a sudden I was very alert. Like not, but alert in that kind of calm. Yeah, yeah. Like I woke, some part of me woke up. I think this is just brainwaves slowing down. I think Mm -hmm. this is just moving, you know, from from your uh, alpha or beta waves and and getting closer to that theta state Mm -hmm. that everyone's looking for in meditation and relaxation techniques. Um, I think this is that feeling of I'm getting sleepy. That being said, I mean, we spend a lot of time in the tanks kind of in that limbo world between sleeping and waking that like you are in the morning when you're dreaming really vividly, but you know that you're dreaming and you're awake because you know you have to get up soon. That that, like for me, that's a lot of the time in the tank is spent kind of in that feeling, Mm -hmm. you know, but it's productive there. You do really great thinking. You're kind of out of your own way. Your filters are down. You're you're not um, you're not uh, uh, subverting your own line of thinking, you know, right. It's a little easier to stay on the point. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. And then, you know, in, in my experience, so I had about 30 minutes in that zone Mm -hmm. and then towards the end I had to take a pee. Yeah. And then that's just that little stimulus of like, Hey, Hey monkey, (laughs) time to pee. Yeah. I was like, no, it's not time to pee yet. Just hang on. But as soon as I, no peeing in the tank, (laughs) as warm and comfortable (laughs) as it is, do not pee in any sensory deprivation. Would you know if somebody did? That's a question. (laughs) Yeah. That's the problem, but it would be a very expensive failure. There's thousand dollars worth of salt at risk there. (laughs) (laughs) So the, uh, don't pee in the tank. All right. (laughs) Just, just put that out there. Um, but yeah, even that little thing. And then so it kind of brought me out. And then I started fussing around with the buoyancy and yeah. like, wow, it's really hard to push my arms down, you know? Man, it's so or awesome. Like, or like pushing off the walls and be like, how long will it take me if I just touch the wall yeah. to hit the to other hit the wall, other you know? And started doing silly things like that. And then I would catch myself and be like, Aubrey, stop, you know, yeah. like stop playing in your environment. But it's really fun just at that point because I was very relaxed and it was just you're in this playground that feels like outer space you know yeah. when you're not bumping against the walls you might as well be in orbit yes you yes. know i mean it just it feels like that yeah that sensation of just floating in nothing yeah is amazing and it's and it's what's causing a lot of the science that's going on a lot of the chemical changes in your brain and body are caused from that right but i mean you know I th- i'm listening to what you're saying about your experience it's it's the human brain it's so awesome man i mean it that's your brain just like poking at you like, no, 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 you will not disengage from me. I have yeah, a job yeah, to yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm here to, to... It found one little way back in. Yeah, yeah. It's like, okay. If you're going to ignore me for 45 minutes, I'll make you pee. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's the same thing when you first get in there, you know, you, mm-hmm. you, you'll hear your heartbeat really loud. And your breath. And your, your breathing. You, know, you can hear the blood uh, pulsing behind your ears mm-hmm. and things like that. Just all these sounds. It's like your body's this big factory making all these gurgling noises and and mechanical sounds and everything. And I swear that's just your brain refusing to put down its work and, and yeah. relax for a moment because we're just not used to doing it. Yeah. We just don't let our brains do that often enough. And man, it feels good to do it. It sure you know, does. I mean, the whole rest of that night, I actually, so, you know, get out of the tank, did a lot of great work, and I can maybe jump back and talk about the vision I had. I only have one main vision. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the whole rest of the night just felt super relaxed. But I actually didn't you know i wasn't tired when i went to go sleep yeah um i felt like i had slept already like i had hours of sleep already under my belt yeah yeah we estimate that uh, one hour in the flotation tank is equivalent to about four hours of sleep even even though you're not really sleeping the just the physical rest and rejuvenation that your body's getting because it's in this environment where you're perfectly supported and perfectly comfortable there's no pressure points your circulation's you know better than ever because you've taken gravity away you've your vascular system is dilated a little bit, you know, so you're getting lower blood pressure, slower heart rate, slower respiratory rate. So you're, you're resting, you're resting really deeply. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, your float was later in the evening. So it kind of doesn't surprise me that it took you a while to, 
yeah. to uh, want to go back yeah, to sleep. Yeah, it felt like I just took a late nap. Like you said, a little you know? more energized yeah. when you come out, right? So. Yeah, for sure. Relaxed and energized. Yeah. You know, I heard I had one comment. You know, I posted my experience on my Facebook page, and I had one comment. And um, this, this woman was talking about the neck pillow. And she said, oh, that sounds like a great idea, you know, because she had neck strain issues as well. And apparently the people running her float center says, that's just your subconscious mind trying to keep your head above water. And I was like, that is some hippie bullshit. Your neck is just in the wrong place for your body. Like, yeah. just use a pillow. Like, yeah. It's not your, you just got to relax, you know, right. just got to relax your Relax head. and peace out, man. Yeah, yeah, fine. yeah. Yeah. No, that's not it. Sometimes, you know, just mechanically. Yeah, we're all built different. We're all built different. Yeah. yeah. And I have a one of those monkey heads that goes forward like Vanderlei Silva. Good. Yeah. <laughs> so for me, you know, the neck pillow really helps. Well, I think you're also one of those people that leads with your mind. So yeah. so you you physically uh, you take on that characteristic where you kind of meet the world head first, you know. Yeah. Maybe so. so. That's that, that doesn't strike me as unusual, but yeah. um, you know, we we do things um, at Zero Gravity Institute, we're, we're um, trying to uh, create a situation where it's comfortable for everybody and, and every type. And, and this, from all of uh, my experiences in the flotation tank and, and um, my wife, who's one of our partners, and she's had a lot of experience in the float tanks too, and we really looked at like wh- what is every little thing that a person could need during a float session to make it perfect, you know? And so things like the, the earplugs and the pillows and um, having the water temperature exactly right. I mean, I, I designed those tanks um, so that they're computer monitored. So there's actually a computer that's taking care of, of heating the water and keeping mm-hmm. it at that exact temperature. Um, my um, experience in floating has um, taught me a lot about the salinity level that, that's in the tank, like keeping it just right so that you're you're at the perfect level in the water, um, which helps to, I don't want you floating too high in the water right. or too low in the water because too high in the water, your neck's going to be leaning way back and that's right. going to cause stress physically too, too low in the water. And you're going to, the water line's going to be too close to your eye. And then you're going to be, you know, d- just distracted through your float about whether or not you're going to get salt water in your, in your face. So, um, and there was also some people concerned about they had experienced a tank creating condensation on the ceiling of the tank and then dripping back into their eyes. Yeah, um, which definitely was not happening in your tank. Right. You know that was not part of the part of this program for sure. So right, yeah. The the um, tanks that you floated in at zero gravity are um, tanks that I designed and manufactured. So uh, they're much bigger than a typical flotation tank. So. Historically, a, a float tank has been about four feet wide and about four feet tall and about eight feet long. Like a coffin, Orlando. Like a coffin, like a coffin, Orlando. <laughs> Great. Sounds awesome. <laughs> and uh, uh, I, I used to work at, the, uh, at a flotation center in California that was the first commercial center in the world. And so this is one of the main things that we heard from people coming in, people that were ready to float. They'd read about the experience. They were you know, super psyched to be there. Then they would walk in the float room and they'd see this big black coffin. And they'd turn around and they'd be like, no way. I'm not getting Couldn't in you that have painted thing. it a more friendly color than black? <laughs> I, right. I mean, <laughs> I yeah. mean, like neon green. Yeah. No one's scared of neon green. A lovely green. yellow. A lovely yellow. <laughs> Who's scared of a canary yellow? Uh, and and so when I designed these tanks, I, w- I wanted to get all of these issues out of the way. You know, I, I wanted them to be user friendly. I didn't want them, to, want them to be intimidating when you walked into the room and saw them. Yeah. And so I, I made these tanks that were, you know, so they're, they're six feet wide, they're eight feet long, they're seven feet tall. You can get in it and walk around. It's the size of a queen size bed, right? So uh, don't get any ideas. There's none of that in a tank yeah, either. One, one person at a time. One person at a time. <laughs> and uh, yeah, but I wanted to remove that 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 psychological element. I mean, in in a traditional float tank, a smaller tank, if if you're claustrophobic at all or think that you might be. It doesn't matter what I say to you. It doesn't matter if I tell you that once it's completely dark, those boundaries are gone. You're going to be stressed out when we get you in that tank, and that defeats the purpose of having you there in the first place because it's all about relaxing and the states of consciousness that are achieved through deep states of relaxation. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to get rid of all that. I, um, I did the math and worked out the ventilation system in a way that we didn't have condensation on the ceiling. You know, I mean, how distracting is that? You're, you're in the middle well, of the one of the coolest, starts raining one of on the you. coolest <laughs> things is that there's it's indistinguishable whether your eyes are open or closed. Yes, and there's certain times where thinking, 
I really feel like my right eye is open and my left eye is closed. I remember yeah. thinking that at some point. I was like, I'm not winking like a pirate <laughs> right now, but that's what it feels like to me. Like one part zoned out. You just can't tell. Right. You know, at a certain point when you're so relaxed and your eyelids are so relaxed, open, yeah. closed. Right. I mean, you have to like blink intentionally. That's it. To figure out whether they're open or close. A lot of times you'll go way away from your body since since there are no body sensations, your consciousness will drift way away from your body. Mm -hmm. Then when you come back, it's like you sort of have lost track of what what status was yeah. I at when I left my body, <laughs> right. you know? And uh, and I, I do the same thing. Like I have to go, okay, open, close, open, close, and, and <laughs> decide whether, whether my eyes are open or not. Yeah, you know? it was really, really pretty interesting, especially... Yeah. Especially one of what my eyes were operating on different kind independently. of independently of each other. That I, I'd like to kind of see if there's anybody else that's experienced that, but it was an interesting you phenomenon. One eye in the tank with your physical body, and the other eye yeah. was peering out into yeah, the Yeah, like my left. <laughs> that's what it felt like. Yeah. Has that happened to you? Well, I, I know what you're talking I know that sensation. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that was weird because my left eye was like kind of still there like keeping an eye on the body right you know like literally like the expression says yeah keeping an eye out right. it's like one eye i was like yeah all right i got this right. and the other eye was like poof, just in you know the galaxy somewhere yeah and i don't know if that's like left brain right brain Maybe. activity i mean i find sometimes that um, i'm not floating symmetrically you know like you envision this you know picture of someone floating in perfect formation you know but it's not that way for me at all sometimes i've got one arm up over my head you mm -hmm. know one one leg kind of sticking out to the side it's another reason i made the tank so big it's because i'm out of control when i float <laughs> yeah you know those have you seen those survival shows where they create a compass you know by yeah. charging a, a piece of wire yeah. or a paper clip or something like that and putting Set it on a leaf, leaf yeah and floating around i kept orienting like caddy corner one way and i was like i wonder if i'm like a giant charged yeah. compass right now and i'm aligning uh, which direction were you were you was your head pointing and what does that say yeah. about you aubrey yeah, I don't, yeah <laughs> nothing but that's probably just my mind being stupid and being like hey i wonder if this is significant you know yeah. trying to figure it out but i kept aligning like the same way and i would catch myself in the caddy corner my head would be like directly caddy corner right. to that back left corner you know so i'm bisecting it on an angle like, right. why do I keep ending up this way? You turned into a compass. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I like, and, I would, and then I would orient myself again, and then I'd <laughs> drift back into the same spot. Um, yeah. But yeah, you know, and, and we talk a lot about, you know, galaxy and source and higher self, but it's really good for just figuring out regular everyday problems too and oh, challenges. You know, I mean, you're just able to really focus on even the most mundane you know, obstacle that you can't seem to figure out, you can just zero right in and um, make a lot of headway, a lot of progress. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we talk about the tanks as a, as a tool for human potential because you, you're going to, your brain is going to present to you, your mind is going to present to you what it is that you need to work on. That's, that, that's sort of the trust that, that we get to with the float tanks. Um, after uh, as many floats as I've had, I, I, very rarely enter the tank with some specific goal or some specific intention. Mm -hmm. and certainly there's room for that. Like, you know, there's no rules about floating, right? Sure. But um, uh, I find that when I become a, a, a passive and neutral observer of my experiences in the tank, then my brain will sort of dig up the things that, you know, here you go, Kevin. There's mm -hmm. something you need to be thinking about today or something you need to be working on, you know? Right. And it's amazing. It's amazing how um, revealing that can be. For like sure. A, a little time with yourself is a good thing. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, it's, a, it's certainly a balance of setting your intent and then letting go. Yeah. You know, it's the same with any, any psychedelic experience, really. I yeah. mean, you want to be a passenger, right. but you also want to kind of set a little bit of the course, at least for me, say, right. okay, here are some loose areas that might be interesting to explore. Right. You know, and then, and sometimes it's more directed than that. And then you'd let it go. And yeah. usually you'll find that you end up where you wanted to go unless you were really misguided and be like, ah, and I, you know, I've had experiences where I'm like, all right, I really got to figure this out. Right. And then in the first nine seconds, I'm like, that was silly. Yeah. <laughs> All right, back on to the real work here. Right. You know, like the answer was already really obvious. And 
things like that. But I, I think it is that kind of dance between setting your intent and then just allowing the experience to take you where it needs to go. You're, you're absolutely right. I mean, let me say that, you know, entering the tank with specific intention is incredible. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you are, you know, talk about getting your work done, right? Yep. So, I mean, we have writers, artists, musicians, poets, scientists, businessmen, people come in there for all different kinds of reasons. And there's a sense in the tanks uh, that, uh, let me rephrase that, when, when people are talking about the tanks, there's this sense that they're supposed to have this big, profound, visionary experience, which is possible, but not the only thing that you should be seeking in the tank. Right. Um, depending on who you are, what's important to you, then um, that's why I say that your brain will present the work that you need to do. I have in the past gone into the tank with, um, you know, very specific intentions, long um, experiments that I was doing where, you know, day after day, every day I would go in the tank with a very specific purpose for being there. And it can be incredibly productive. Yeah. I did this experiment uh, several years ago where I was trying to retrieve memory, right? So I was was fascinated by the idea of... of, um, Uh, being able to retrieve memories from very, very early childhood Mm -hmm. with the possibility of even remembering being inside the womb and uh, on a um, more loftier goal, like were there collective memories that could be tapped into, right? And uh, uh, Trying to go deep. Trying to go really deep, (laughs) you know? And it was amazing because I was was pulling out these memories of being a little kid and, uh, you know, some some, mundane thing in life that would just suddenly be this vivid memory. And I would get out of the tank and I would call my mom and I'd say, hey, do you remember when this happened? And and she would just be floored. She's like, oh, there's no way that you can remember that. You, you know, you weren't even three years old. <laughs> and I'd go into detail and I'd be like, no, I'll tell you like what the carpet was like in the living room. So how, how, how far how far did you get to go? The, the furthest that I got back was uh, I had this beautiful um, memory of being a baby and lying on my mom's stomach while she was lying on her back. And the feeling of her breathing, lifting me up and down, up mm-hmm. and down. And this is the first feeling that I got in the tank was the feeling that I was going up and down and up and down. That's and wild. It took me back to this moment. And I felt um, I, I, I felt very small, very vulnerable, um, very um, open. So, so you remembered it as the child there. Absolutely. You kind of went back to that state. I remembered my feelings. Of, yeah. of it. It wasn't like a visual memory. Right. It was like the feeling of being there and, and, um, and just how, uh, uh, how vulnerable and fragile that I felt. And, and she was a giant in that feeling. Like yeah. She was just this bigger than, than life kind of thing, it, yeah. this force a- around me, you know? And, uh, it, it, uh, maybe that's human bonding. Like maybe that's the bonding moment that you have with your mother or whatever, you know? But that's as far back as I was, was ever That's really interesting. You know, the first time I did a boga, which is mm-hmm. a 24-hour experience, you have lots of time. Oh, man. So <laughs> I ran out of shit to think about after about hour 10. So one of the things that I did was a very similar thing. And I decided I was going to walk through, you know, in my memory, through every house that I'd ever lived in. Mm-hmm. And it was unbelievable how much detail I remembered. Yeah. The stairs, the floor, what paintings were on the walls, even from when I was like a young child. You know, and I could go, there was some remodel that was done in one of my houses. I could go before the remodel, after the remodel. Like I could just pick, I could pick the textures of the couch, feel that. I mean, all of these little minutiae of detail that I thought were gone. Right. You know, I was able to walk through and I still can do that now that I kind of, reawaken those those feelings but the the farthest i got back which just kind of reminds me of what you were saying is i remember a feeling of laying on my back and stretching my arm out and moving it around and i was stretching my arms out and it was this feeling of whoa i can control this hand you know it was like that first moment of wow my brain can say hand do this Uh and it does that you know, and I don't know what age that was, but I was on my back and I was doing the same thing again. You know, that kind of like, wow, look at this crazy vehicle I'm in. Right. You know, and I can control it. It's awesome. These are your, some of your first moments of being self-aware. Yeah. 
right? Science has asked that question a lot. Like when, as human beings, do we become self-aware? When do we look into the mirror and realize that it's us yeah. and not just another baby yeah. or whatever? And, and you, know, you see little kids do that all the time, right? I mm-hmm. mean, that they're looking at their hands, arms up in the air, experimenting with their body. Yeah. What a, what a cool thing for you to uh, it was. remember. Yeah, it was. And this was during your Iboga. Uh-huh experience but you know again it just shows the parallels and you know i I made a video called the psychedelic experience and you know a lot of it talks about the you know plant medicines Mm -hmm. but you know there's a lot of ways to get there and this is one of the best ways to get there first of all you're not going to have police worry or concern you know which is a major problem which is why i don't recommend doing you know psychedelics here in the states why right. i always go to peru for ayahuasca or costa rica for a boga or places where it's legal just so you don't even have that stress right i mean even if the risk is low you know you don't want to be in this space where you're really trying to be open and vulnerable and explore and be worried that a you know cop's gonna bust gonna down bust the door the and yeah. throw you in jail <laughs> you know right. which is insanity but it's reality right so you have to deal with it but a float tank can get you you know, a lot of the way there, all right, maybe the visuals aren't going to be like a DMT experience, you know. You're not going to burst through this Alex Gray chrysanthemum right. of light and right. energy and colors, right. you know. Um, but you will have some visions and some things, and but you'll get to the real meat of it. You know, a lot of that kind of splashing of vision is a, a little bit just part of the firework display. You right. know, really what you're doing in that is getting to the deeper modes of thinking. Right. Um, people sometimes think of the psychedelic experiences like that's what that's what you're after is these visions. The visuals, yeah. But the visuals are oftentimes just kind of the the fun part of it, you know, the and then the real part. meat. Occasionally, the visions are instructive and didactic. You know, yeah. a, a dragon taught me a lot, and I had an eagle teach me some stuff. But that's that's way less <laughs> common than I'm just being like whoa yeah that was awesome yeah you know and that's generally what that is and you know a lot of times for me in those spaces it's just like that's fucking beautiful yeah but that's that's all it really is it's a fireworks show and then the real work is happening with the thinking and the same real work is happening in the tank yeah well i think you can get to some of those um, pretty fantastic visual uh moments in the tank Uh, it takes some practice it takes um you know, the big game, the, 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 the skill that you're learning when you're in the tank is how to let go and then let go more and then let go more. Mm-hmm. And, and um, so I, isn't I've that had the whole some, game of life? Isn't it, though? <laughs> it really is. Like yeah. the more the more I become older and a little bit less ignorant, you know, I wouldn't say wiser, but I think we're just trying to get a little less yeah. ignorant. The more I realize that the hard part is not when you see a challenge in front of you. And you say, I need to defeat that, bring all my power. For me, that's that's the easy part. The right. hard challenges are the ones where I have to let go, let go of that attachment, let go of that fear, let go of that stress, right. you know, where you don't have a dragon to slay, you know, yeah. that's tangible. You have some kind of thing that you have to let go. And that's really one of the big keys to to living a happy, fulfilled life is letting go. Yeah. And what a tool to have is to be able to go to the tank, which is entirely that process in a microcosm. Yeah. I mean, I, I think we're lucky to have the tanks. I think it's, um, it's kind of, uh, without being too lofty about it, I think it's kind of our, um, our chance as a culture to have uh, that kind of medicine. It's legal, it's healthy. You know, you don't have to worry about all those things. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sad that that we're not able to use psychedelic medicine in this country. I'm 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 doing some research right now about uh, Peru and, and mm-hmm. ayahuasca experience, and I'm preparing to um, do that myself. You know, but, very cool. Um, and I'd love to talk to you more about that. Uh, but I think for right now, um, what what we have in the flotation tank is a great tool for for seekers and explorers in kind of a unique way. Right, the the uh, flotation tank has no dogma attached to it. And this, this is what I love about it. It's sort of the uh, tool for the, the self-guided, yep. right? You don't have to go in there and have a certain chant or a mantra. You don't have to wear a, a hat or a piece of jewelry or anything like that. You know, there's, there's no rules about it. If you want to 
floating the tank with some music, you can do that. If you want to keep the door open, you can do that. If you want to close everything and go all the way and go as deep as you can possibly go, you can do that. There's, there's no rules applied to it. So it's, it's great for the, the person who's uh, seeking their own Except path. for don't pee in it. Yeah. That's a rule. Yeah, that is a rule, isn't it? Yeah. I just contradicted myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but I think it's just a cool um, option that we have, you know, and um, I, I wish that more people had experience with it. I, I think that I see people change literally right in front of my eyes. I mean, they can walk into the float center and I, um, uh, you know, sensitive to people's energy as they come in. It's very interesting to watch people come in from the world and they're, they're carrying, a, carrying a lot with them. You can see them physically manifesting. You that. should really do it before or after, like yeah. five second video clip. Just be like, yeah. hey, what's up? My name's Aubrey and I'm here to float. And then just do the same thing when they come out. Like, yeah. hey, what's up? I wish My sometimes- name's Aubrey and I just floated. Yeah. And it was awesome. Yeah. You know, like just see the different countenance. Because that's how it is for everybody. Yeah. I, I could wish feel people it. could see the see a picture of do themselves it. before and do after. It. We should we should start doing yeah, that. Yeah, for like, sure. And and just just to see your you physically change. Like your shoulders come down, mm-hmm. you know, your head's more relaxed, you're talking a little differently. You're you you know, it's it's amazing. It is. So, you know, hopefully a lot of you listening have some access to this. Um I know it's they're not out there everywhere. Um, but they're coming, but they're, they're, they're moving fast. Yeah. There's and, more and more uh, of them opening up all the time. We get phone calls a couple times a week from float centers that are getting ready to open in different parts of the world and talking to us about, you know, using our tanks in their float centers and stuff. Yep. So and at the very, at the very least, you're going to have an incredibly relaxing, restorative experience. Yeah. You know, I mean, don't go in there with these expectations of some immaculate, you know, understanding or grandeur, just go in there Trust that you're going to relax. Trust that you're going to feel good when you're done. Right. And um, you're going to get that. Right. You know? And everything else, you know, there's a hell of a chance you're going to get that too. You yeah. know? But at the very minimum, you're going to feel pretty, pretty cool when you're done. That, that's a really good thing to bring up, good warning for people about the tanks, is sometimes your own expectations, some of the mythology and the stories that it's surround floating can really in- inhibit your, your experience in the tank because you're going in there thinking that you're going to get shot out into the universe and right. you're going to... You know, go out of your body and and you know have all this amazing stuff happen, w- which is totally possible. But if you go in there, like you know, click the stopwatch it's, and w- it's wait for the another, shit to happen. It's just another. It's another tool for your mind to say, "Hey, that's not happening yet. Hey, that's not happening. Yeah. When is this going to happen?" You know, just let that let all that stuff go. Yeah, exactly. And that and and when you let it go and when you become that neutral observer of your own experience, that's when the big stuff Aha. starts to happen. Right? You're out that's of your own good. way. Yeah. And uh, you can sort of uncork the bottle and, and let the flow start to happen. For sure. So, Orlando, what do we got to do to get you in the tank, man? I am going. I'm going to do it. You're going to do I'm it. I'm going to do it on Saturday. All right. <laughs> yeah. Saturday afternoon. Saturday. Comfortably far enough away that yeah. you don't have to commit, I see. <laughs> yeah. Well, I figure after a tough <laughs> soccer game, that probably yeah. would be a pretty good way to did you wind down. He was like, I'm coming in. I'm going to do it on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> the fear crept back in. Yeah. I saw it. I saw it. <laughs> yeah, I'll definitely do it. Yeah, you should. We'll have to talk about it on the next time after you do it on Saturday. I will on Saturday. Yeah, we're going to try to put together a, a podcast where we do some interviews with people who uh, sort of do their before and after experiences and you know start collecting some of that for, for people to share. Because I think that would help with uh, introduce a lot of new people to it, people who might be a little bit nervous or skeptical about doing it. I think if there was a, a resource for them to, to look at the experiences that other people were having, I think it would open it up to a lot more people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I really think if you just had some people, you know, obviously voluntarily, you know, people who are frequent just come in and say, you know, stay your name. I am blank and I feel, or how am I doing today? You know, like... No, I'm doing pretty good, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then at the end, it's not even so much what they're saying. You'll just see, you know, because yeah. pictures are only a picture. But if you actually get to see even like five seconds, yeah, you know, you'll see a change. Your voice sounds different. Your whole body's like, <sighs> yeah, this yeah. feels good. So that would be awesome. Well, man, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you for doing what you do. Thank you for pushing this mm-hmm. industry forward. Thank you for bringing this opportunity to Austin. Um, you know, I'm certainly going to take advantage of it. Orlando may, but we'll keep pushing him. I'll be there on Saturday. You'll see me. <laughs> so yeah. that sounds good. And anybody, uh, anybody in the Austin area who wants to come to the Austin area, um, Zero Gravity Institute is the name. Where can That's they right. find you? 
We're at zerogravityinstitute.com. Uh, there's a website there with a lot of information. You can go to Facebook. Uh, we have a Zero Gravity Institute uh, page on Facebook. Um, I, you know, I want to take a minute, though, and thank you and, um, and Joe Rogan, too. You guys are um, I'll pass great voices for floating and, and the benefits of floating. We, we have so many people that come through the doors and, and talk about, like, oh, I heard about it on a podcast, you know, and, and it's guys like you that are not afraid to uh, get in front of the microphone and uh, talk about the interest that you have and the things that you do. And it opens people's minds uh, to the possibilities that are out there. And, and uh, I know that a well, lot of times I hear interviews with you and you talk about the benefits of the tank and the possibilities of peeling back the layers that we have on us in, in the tank. And, and I personally, I appreciate what you do. And I know that uh, other people in the float business really appreciate what well, you do. Well, I'd certainly... Uh Appreciate that sentiment. And for me, it's just I'm happy to talk about any tool that's helped me because if it's helped me, there's a good chance it can help other people. And I know, you know, Joe feels the same. You know, it's just we talk about the stuff that has worked for us. Yeah. And, um, you know, we'll talk about the stuff that doesn't work for us, too. And, uh, and we'll let you know that. But the tank is something that, you know, really this experience was I could, I could see the potential from the last experience. Mm -hmm. But this was the one that really kind of woke me up to how you know, practical it was. And it, and it was just a few little things for me. It was the neck pillow. It was the earplugs. Um, and so that was it. I also get a lot of questions. I want to address this on the podcast. Sure. So, um, people ask, Oh, should I smoke some weed before I go in? Should I do it sober? And I think the best way for me to explain that is the tank itself is medicine. Yes. And just like any other entheogen is medicine itself, you know, right. mushrooms or anything like that. Until you really know that medicine, you know, until you really know it, don't combine it with anything else. I, you know, I, like, I agree 100%. That's, you, you just, I mean, maybe down the road you'll want to, but you better be something of a master before you start creating this kind of alchemical com combination between the two. Right. Know the tank first, and then, you know, make up your mind what to do. As long as you don't pee in it, most of the tank people are going to be pretty cool. <laughs> uh, you're, you're exactly right. I mean, you want to have your flotation experience um, you want to you want to know that it was the flotation tank and right. and and you that that made it happen, not not some other medicine, something else that you're doing. Um, w there's a lot of experimentation done with a lot of different uh, psychedelics in the tanks early on, and what what we found out from it was that um, under uh, you know in quotes normal dosages. The, some of those things just aren't very effective in the tank. It takes a certain amount of external stimulation to make those things work. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until you got into pretty heroic doses that, that it started to um, really affect the tank uh, experience beyond just you know, a feeling of euphoria or, right. or disconnection. So, so uh, Know the medicine first. Yeah, don't it's moral make, don't of the story. Medicines. Yeah, <laughs> until you're a master. Yeah. And you, right. <laughs> then, yeah. you know, once you're a master... And, you know, maybe take a little license to experiment with the scientific yeah. mind. And, and once we've, uh, once our government has let up on some of that thing and, and yeah. we can, we can get back into, you know, safely and l legally, uh, working with those. Exploring the options. Yeah. yeah. Which for sure. Hopefully we'll be seeing. It kind of seems like we might be on, on the course to, uh, well, opening up to that a little bit. Rick Doblin and maps are working hard and yeah, the Hefter an Institute and, uh, and a lot of these people are working hard to make that happen. But for now, uh, we got the tanks as medicine and yeah. um you know next time we'll have to talk about some other things too because i'm sure you've had some other experiences in some of these other ways that we can reach this state as well uh, i certainly have but the tanks are one of the best out there so if you get an opportunity hit up a tank Absolutely. thank you to you sir for pushing this industry forward also if you're interested in you know potentially opening a, a float tank center definitely talk to kevin about his tanks they're awesome very state-of-the-art and very they're user friendly. awesome yeah. yeah, for sure. So hit him up about that. Much love, everybody. Sorry about the long hiatus for the Warrior Poet podcast. Had to get warmed up again. It was yeah. like I've been out of the game for a little while. You know, I needed to stretch out here, but I think I got, I think I got it down. So we'll hopefully keep this momentum going. Much love, everybody. Thank you, Orlando. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Aubrey. Thank See you, Orlando. Later.